Okay, well, welcome. This is WNZN Radio coming to you from Lorain, Ohio. We're very happy you tuned in once more. As promised, another interesting show. Uh, actually, we had an interesting show last week, David, yes. from South Africa yeah. with uh, Loretta Jackson. Mm-hmm. And that is up and it's archived. As I said at the close of the show, you can get any of our programs by going to john1421.com. That's john1421.com. Uh, but if uh, you're having any trouble picking up the station today due to static or we're just out of our region, uh, so many people now, David, are just live streaming it. Yes. And just go yeah. to www.wnzn.org. That's wnzn.org. And you should have no problem picking it up. But as promised, we have a special guest, DJ Santiago. Uh, very interesting story. Growing up in Cleveland, he's going to share with us. And then how he got into sports, specifically baseball, uh, pro baseball, coaching. He's going to cover a lot of bases. Hey, that's no pun either. He's going to cover a lot of bases today as we go through this. And uh, quite remarkable uh, what he's involved with today. And I think our listeners might be really interested in some of these programs that are out there. Having said all that, I'm going to turn it over to DJ Santiago. DJ, happy to have you on the show today. Thank you for uh, for having me today. Excited to be here with you guys and, and uh, hopefully learn a few things while I'm here. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll go right into it. Now, um, let's start at the beginning, DJ. Just um, And I'll call you DJ. Sure. Um, and then we're going to get out some contact information and talk about a special event that is coming up in the very near future. So maybe just start with your life story where you grew up, what was that about, and then we'll start moving towards how you got involved in, in specifically with baseball. Sure. So, uh, born and raised here in uh, Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, was raised uh, in, in a two-parent home for about two years. Outside of that, uh, my mom had, a, had an issue with drugs and alcohol and left our family when I was two years old. So, it was just me and my dad for uh, my entire life I don't have any siblings um, or anything like that and uh, and we had it you know we had some challenges mm. you know, my dad my dad's a great guy uh, did the best he could but I think he was dealing with you know losing his wife and his his dream of having a, a large family and and going through all that well, now where did you grow up specifically uh, so I, my first home here was in, on Denison Avenue Mm. Yeah, we lived in a one a one room efficiency in an apartment there, and on on Denison Avenue, spent a lot of time on West Twenty Fifth and Clark with a lot of friends, growing up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a lot different mm-hmm. twenty years ago. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, yes. uh, definitely been been upgraded since then, uh, and then ended up going to John Marshall High School, okay. and oh. uh, moving out to the Bel Air area later on in my in my uh, teenage years, moving out to the Bel Air area, which. You know, it wasn't um, a great area per se. Saw a lot of things I probably shouldn't have seen, um, but um, you know, had had a, uh, an affection for baseball. Hmm. Always had an affection for baseball. The problem I had was I had no belief that I was going to do anything with baseball. Okay. Um, and and the reason that that is is you know when you're from the inner city yeah. and you're going through things that we're going through, it's about survival. Yeah. We're not we're not looking to thrive at anything and. You know, you're really just trying to graduate high school without having made some of the mistakes that a lot of, you know, my counterparts mm. did with, you know, teenage pregnancy yeah. or drugs and alcohol or being incarcerated mm-hmm. or gang violence or any of those things. So I had my hands full with that. Um, and a funny story about how I actually turned my life around. 
Um, I was out one night past curfew. Was, I was uh, 15 and a half years old at the time. And uh, I went out. I was supposed to be home by midnight. Got home about 2 o'clock in the morning. And my dad's sitting there waiting for me. And my dad always believed. I didn't believe about baseball. I had, I had no really no faith in, in the fact that I was going to do anything with that. So anyway, I get home about 2 o'clock in the morning. And, you know, my dad's sitting there waiting for me. Right, my dad's kind of a night owl, like we, like mm-hmm. most of my family, and so he's looking at me, and of course I do the whole high school thing. Oh, you know, I got caught up. I was gonna call you, so I'm just trying to get past him and get to my room, and so after I do my, uh, I throw myself on the mercy of the court. He says, "I left something on your on your bed. Um, be up early in the morning." And I'm like, "What in the world could he left me on my mm-hmm. bed?" So I go and and I pick up this. Uh, Cleveland Paint Plain Dealer. Mm. And in, back in those days, uh, this is 1995, they used to have the recreation section where they would put all the MLB teams' tryout dates. Like okay. They would have open, oh, wow. Almost like an open casting call. Okay, like almost walk up. Yeah. 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 So right here on Clegg, uh, on, at Clegg Park, oh, okay. um, the Cincinnati Reds were... Uh, running an open tryout ages 16 to 22. What do you know? <laughs> now, I just finished telling you guys I was 15 and a half. Right. right? So I grabbed this paper and I'm like, oh, I, you know, this the old man can't read very well. So <laughs> I run back out and I say, Dad, listen, uh, you know, I appreciate the effort, um, but this says you got to be 16. It's ages 16 to 22. And my dad, and 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 not so nice words, said if you're if you're old enough to be out till two o'clock in the morning tomorrow, you're going to be sixteen years old. So make sure you're up by eight o'clock. <laughs> so I went out to this tryout. Uh, I was fifteen. We actually lied about my age on the player info sheet. And um, the Reds back then had a program where there's probably 150 guys there. Why did the Reds come up here? Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. I wonder yeah. about that. I think. You know, during that time, a lot of the MLB teams just would hold these open casting calls around the country. Okay. Because right? okay. the guy that was actually running that tryout was from Tennessee. So I think this wow. was in his territory. Okay. Um, and he was just running. Because, you know, they would find people sometimes. Yeah, sure. Over sure. Right. Over yeah. The yeah. Um, so anyways, they had a format where, the, the let's say it's 150 guys. 150 guys would go through a preliminary workout. Mm-hmm. And... If they if they didn't like you or think you could cut the snuff, they sent you home. Ah. If you did cut the snuff, then you actually got to stay and hit and play in an inner squad game. Okay. Oh wow. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm 15 and a half. I mean, I'm walking on the field with guys that are college yeah. seniors. Some of them are already graduating. Yeah. Right? So I mean, there's no, no age limit. <laughs> there's you know, what's sixteen to twenty two? Sixteen to twenty two. Oh, twenty two. Yeah. Yeah. Twenty two. Okay. So um, and I'm 15. Right. So, and, and I didn't really hit a growth spurt of puberty until I was like 18. But so, you've been playing baseball. Yeah. Okay, got yeah. that. So, anyhow, we um, we go through the first part. So I'm thinking for sure I'm gonna get I'm gonna get out of here early. I'm tired. I don't want to be here anyways. Mm-hmm. Right. So I go to the workout, and they're they're you know kind of listing off the 30 people that are gonna stay for the workout, and we're like name 27, 28. Santiago, because it's nice. nice right? <laughs> and I'm like, oh man. So I guess I got to stay here and work out. Um, well, anyways, went through the workout, 
And I'm walking back to my car afterwards. You know, they kind of wrap things up. Mm. Hey, thank you guys for coming out. We're going to follow some of you guys. And I'm walking back to my car with my dad and the head scout, who was about six foot five. He had these Oakleys on, comes over to me with a big old country accent. He says, Santiago, come here. And so he calls me over and, and he starts asking me questions about my GPA and where I was going to high school and was I going to play in college and all these things. And I was given a really nonchalant answers uh-huh. um, because I'm like, why, why is this guy asking me these questions? And he kind of puts his hands on my shoulders hmm. and he says, son, you've got a shot to do something special in this game. That's and the first time anybody really said that at that level. Nobody who I believed, right, because people had said it, just didn't believe him. So this is going to play big time when oh, we yeah. come to his. Absolutely. His so so yeah. someone believed that I could do something that wasn't related to me. Um, he came and sought out my attention. Hmm. And it was someone that, well, you know, he had, he had a major league uniform on. Like, it was like, this is real. This is big. Yeah. Uh, and I remember sitting in my car, and it was almost like, what was that? Because that had to be some level of intervention mm-hmm. Yeah. To, mm-hmm. to have all that. I, I could have been parked somewhere else. A million different things could have happened. Sure. Um, but almost immediately, I began to make some better decisions in my life. And I started getting rid of some people that were in my circle. Um that were not conducive to success. I went back to school that Monday almost saying to myself, okay, I, I've kind of wasted two and a half years here. Mm-hmm. I got to get serious because, you know, this person tells me I can do something and this is my ticket out of this life if I want it. So got really serious, pulled my grades up, uh, started hanging out with better people, started getting in the weight room, started studying the game of baseball. Uh, my work ethic definitely picked up. But I still had no offers. Because mm-hmm. um, now, what are you, a junior in high school? So now I'm going into my, this would be my junior, you know, okay. actually going into my senior year because okay. I graduated at 17. So okay. it would be somewhere in that huh. in that realm, junior, senior year. Not quite. <clears throat> Anyhow, two weeks away from graduating high school, we were knocked out of the state championship by St. Edwards High School. Oh, no kidding. At, uh, at Tri-C. And uh, we made a pretty good run for an inner city school. But Saint Ed's just had you know just had too mm. much talent, right? And and um, and uh, it was two weeks away from graduating high school. I still had no offers. You know, mm. I had some, some letters, yeah. I had some calls, but nobody said to me, DJ, we want you to come to to, to our school. Sure. Um, and I think it was because I was not on a good travel team because you know you have to be on a certain mm. team uh-huh. where the college scouts are. So here again, I'm walking back to my car, <laughs> and uh, an umpire this time comes up to me and says, uh, DJ, do you have a summer team to play for? I said, well, I've tried out for six or seven teams, but I, I've gotten cut. Yeah. Uh, and looking back, I think they, they probably figured I couldn't afford the fees to participate. And he hands me this card. He says, well, call this guy. I think he's looking for a catcher. Mm. And... Um, Tell him I gave you the card. Oh, wow. Right? So I get the card. I make the phone call. And uh, the, the, the gentleman on the other end said, how'd you get my name? And I said, this umpire gave it to me after the state tournament. And he said, okay, well, if you got it from an umpire, someone I trust, we'll sign you. you know, now, who, is this, who is this exactly? This is uh, Eddie Chaffetz. For uh, and, the Reds? No, this is Eddie Chaffetz, who was running a travel team. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, we'll talk about kind of why he founded the team here uh, in a little while. But he started this team, and he was looking for a catcher. 
the team was called Andy's Niners, and uh, I didn't know what an Andy's Niner was or what that <laughs> meant. But he, all, what I did know is that um, he was going to cover the fees. Wow. So I said, okay, uh, I think I can afford that. <laughs> and, uh, and two weeks later, uh, I joined the team for the first practice. Four weeks later after that, I was playing in a tournament at Penn State University um, at the end of June. Uh, a gentleman by the name of, um, uh, name escapes me now, he's the head coach today at uh, Tim Corbin at Vanderbilt University. At that point, he was at Clemson. Yeah. Tim saw me. He was up there watching someone else. Mm, wow. And he saw me playing, took a liking to me. And uh, comes up to me after the game and says, where are you playing college baseball? I said, I don't have anywhere to go. And he says, would you like me to change that for you? And I said, sure. You know, I had no idea who I was talking to. Yeah, right. I saw right. the Clemson hat and the whole deal, but I'm like, I don't know who this guy is. Sure. Um, four hours later, I had three, four right offers to uh, some of the top junior colleges in the country. And uh, he called me and said, look, go to JUCO, get bigger, get stronger. Get your grades together, get your under, you know, because I, as I said earlier, I really didn't do a whole lot in high school my first couple of years. So my grades weren't the, the greatest. I mm -hmm. couldn't really get in. Um, he said, go to junior college, get your undergraduate, and we'd love to have a, an opportunity to talk to you about coming to Clemson in two years. Um, and the rest was history. I made it from there. I never made it to Clemson. I was drafted. I was a freshman All-American, drafted by the Reds in, in 98. What was that like, DJ? I mean... Did you get a letter? Did they call you? How did you get with the Reds? So the way the draft works is, um, at least back then, I can't speak to today, but the way the draft works is when you, they see promise in you um, and, and decide hmm. that they want to put your name kind of in the hat, for lack of a better term, uh, the professional terms puts you on the board, right? right? They'll visit with you. They'll send you some information. They'll do some background, some some stuff like that. And I had done that for two or three teams. The Reds was not one of them, though. Um, so the, you know, the Reds, uh, Steve Crane, who was a scout in my area, um, has seen me play a lot, but he never interviewed me. Okay. He never was in to see me. He was never in to talk to me. Um, and honestly, again, guys, I, this was like all happening so fast. I mean, I went from a kid that, had, didn't have a summer team to play on. Yeah. Cleveland, Ohio. We're Man. not talking about the mecca of baseball here. Yeah, right, right. I didn't have a summer team to play on to now talking about the draft. That just didn't seem real to me. Um, now, you're a catcher. That's your main, that's your position. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And so, uh, and so yeah, I got the call uh, the night of the draft that uh, the Reds, Steve Crane, called me and said, you know, we, we've, we've taken you. We'd love to have you be a Cincinnati Red. So and where did you go? Um, so from there, I went directly actually to his house to, to sign the contract and, and get all that. But the first place I went uh, was in the uh, Gulf Coast League, which was the Sarasota Reds at that time. So now you're playing minor league ball. Now I'm playing minor league ball. That's yeah. pretty cool, isn't it? I've been, yeah. I lived in Amarillo. They used to have, I used to go to the minor league games. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, you know, looking back at that time in my life, it was, it was all kind of just surreal. It was really? just all happening so fast. And, and how old were you when you were so with? I was drafted. I was drafted at uh, 19 years old. 19. 19 years old. You were always healthy. You never had injury problems. No, I mean I had a I had a, an injury towards the end of my career that uh, played into me kind of not going back and, and continuing playing. But other than that, I mean I, health has always been something that uh, I've had. That's good. And uh, it's been a, it's been on my side for sure.
So, so all of this will play into yeah. your your where you're at mm -hmm. today with this with this program mm -hmm. uh, with the uh, the dream. Um, so then, how many years are you with the with the? Uh, so, let me just tee it up again for my audience. You may have tuned in late, but we have a special guest today. Um, DJ Santiago played with the uh, Cincinnati Reds and is uh, really connected with Cleveland, as he's going to tell you in a little bit, and hopefully with the Lorraine area in the in the future. Um, but um, and he's going to share a little about the uh, Believe in Dreams program he has for helping kids that have really a difficult time and how they can offer an opportunity like he had, where somebody simply intervened and encouraged him, just with a couple of words and encouragement, yeah. which is you know. I always say big door swing on small hinges, yeah, you know, a little meeting yeah. here, a little meeting there. Right. So that's where he's at. He's just now told us about growing up in Cleveland, the west side, near west side of Cleveland, and now with the Cincinnati Reds in the minor leagues and all starting to come up and actually making friends with the Alomar brothers. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. go on. So, so in, uh, again, another fluke situation. Uh, I was my second or third year with the Reds. Came home. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went to the small little barber shop on West 71st. Um, and uh, I went in there one time, got a haircut, and my barber says, Hey, you know, some of the Indians are, are coming in here. Really? Some of the Latin American players. <clears throat> and I didn't think anything of it. He said, Well, you know, maybe one day you'll come in here and they'll be in here, whatever. And he knew I was already mm -hmm. playing. Yeah. And, um, he said, I'd love to make an introduction. And, uh, and the next time I went, Sandy Alomar was getting his haircut. And um, so, of course, I say hello. Obviously, who doesn't know who Sandy yeah, Alomar right. is, right? And my barber starts basically putting pressure on Sandy. Like, this is the kid. <laughs> uh -huh. This is the kid that I've been telling you about. He plays the same position. You better help him out. He's a kid from around the neighborhood. He's Cleveland. Wow. Like, and, uh, and so Sandy, after his haircut was over, came over to me. I mean, guys, this is probably a... 800 square foot yeah. little yeah, yeah. hole in the wall uh, barbershop. This is not a glamorous salon. Um, it just was popular mm -hmm. amongst the Latin American players sure. uh, yeah. with the Indians because the guy was, was pretty good at cutting hair, I guess. And uh, Sandy comes up to me. He says, hey, you know, nice to meet you, blah, blah, blah. Uh, put your number in my phone type of thing, right? And uh, so I did. And he said, well, call me so I have yours. And he says, you know, I'll call you. I don't know when we're going to start working out, but I think we're going to start later this week. Because mm -hmm. um, this was probably, I don't know, November, December-ish. And he's with the Indians now. He's mm -hmm. with the Indians. Yeah. yeah. Right. yeah. Um, and so I'm thinking, yeah, right. You know, Sandy Alomar's going to call me. Sure. Sure he is. And two days later, <laughs> I got a phone call. I'm looking at my phone, and I'm like, hello? And he's like, hey, it's Sandy. Uh, be at the stadium tomorrow by 8 o'clock. There's a place you park, you go underneath, and I'll meet you down there. We'll, you know, we'll work out. And, uh, I'm like, okay. Wow. What was that like? Yeah, again, surreal, right? I've driven past the stadium most of my life, and now I get to go past and park underneath, and, and I get there, and Sandy's in the golf cart waiting for me. <laughs> um, tells me, you know, you know asks me to pull my stuff out of my trunk, yeah. and he takes a look at my stuff, and he says, put that back. <laughs> And they say, jump on the cart. And he tells the equipment guy to open up the equipment room and you go into this cathedral Is that right? of equipment. And he probably grabbed, I'm not kidding, like ten dollars or $15,000 worth of stuff wow. off of the shelves. Wow. And said, now you've got stuff to work out. you got stuff to play. And and that was Sandy. I mean, Sandy's, Sandy was always bigger than life from a personality standpoint. But 
such a giver. Yeah, um, yeah. He, he helped me with not only how to work out, uh, equipment, as I mentioned. Uh, he fired my agent so I could have his agent, um, which was which is at that time one of the top agents wow. in the game, uh, which mattered a lot, hmm. you know, because I wasn't a high round pick and, and you need those 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 levers. So uh, I got to hang out with, with Robbie and, you know, he had a house here in Westlake and, and all that stuff. And so, yeah, for about four or five years, we were really, really good friends. He was a really good mentor to me. Um, understands the game at, at such a level. It was just like talking to, you know, an encyclopedia. Like a genius, yeah, right, right. Um, and uh, it was great. You know, I got to to befriend, you know, all those great Indians, Jim Tomey, David Justice, wow. Sandy Alomar, I mean, all those guys, uh, Kenny Lofton. I mean, I got to see all these guys. And, and I, what I would typically do is his spring training would be a couple of weeks before mine. And I would typically go down there and, and make sure I hung out with him. And, and you were him. all in Florida at this time? Yeah, so he was in Winter Haven. We were in Sarasota. Okay, got it. So, okay. Um, and then um, towards my towards my end of my fourth year with the Reds, he kept telling the guys in the front office, like, this kid's always down here. He's from Cleveland. We can't have him playing for Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Um, so you need to, to, to get his butt over here. And, and they were able to pull something together so I could come to to play for Cleveland. That's so, terrific. So what did you do in Cleveland specifically, DJ? Uh, so I, I was I was uh, a catcher in their minor league system as well once I was done with the Reds. Yeah. So that so they were they were always in Florida, right? Indians. Weren't they out of Phoenix? Where were they else? Out uh, well while I was there they were in Winter Haven. Winter Haven, okay. Yeah. So then now uh, this coming full circle, tell then a little about how you came to be with this organization now. I believe in dreams. Uh, I'm sure our audience would like to hear this. And I want people to really tune in on this. Once again, this is WNZN Radio. We're coming. I mean, our headquarters is, uh, our studio is Lorraine, Ohio. We always haven't been there because of COVID. But nevertheless, um, I would like to see this program at least be familiar on the west side Mm -hmm. of Cleveland, as far west as Lorraine and and beyond where our signal goes. So, um, DJ, just tell us now, you transition from pro sports, pro baseball, and then you start a coaching um, syndicate, really. I mean, you have multiple coaching sites, and then you go into this uh, whole new uh, arena, this whole new field, based on somebody made a encouraging remark and opened a couple doors for you. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, after I got done playing, got into coaching. Um, and when was that? How long did you play? So like, I played about six years. Okay. And then I uh, came back home. And started my first of seven baseball academies um, at the age of, I think it was 24 at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and ran a, a successful chapter here in Cleveland, sold that, moved to Florida, opened up another chapter there. And then in 2013, um, me and my wife tried to start a family. Mm. And uh, soon after we found out the sex of the baby, she started having these um, fevers. Your wife. Time. My wife. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so one day she leaves, she goes with her mom to the hospital and says, I'm going to go get this checked out. Uh, she didn't come home for 45 days, 45 days later. Oh, my gosh. Uh, she was in ICU for 45 days. What was it? Um, well, you know, there's a million different theories. Yeah, right. but yeah, the long, yeah, yeah. long story short, by the time she came home, she was 40 pounds lighter. We had lost our son. Oh, I'm sorry oh, to hear that. Uh, yeah, she lost the ability to speak, walk, uh, talk. Oh, all those things and um, and so you know when I moved to Florida I had my money I had my girl I had you know I bought a house in a gated community in Florida mm. 
it's a long way from West 25th. Yeah, right, right. To right. go there. Uh, but just like that, in an instant, it was it was all My gone. goodness. Wow. Wow. So, um, so, in any regard, um, I had to rebuild my life brick by brick. Um, my wife didn't even know who I was. Um, oh my memory gosh. loss. So I had to, to kind of reintroduce myself to my wife. Whoa. Um, and uh, but but slowly but surely, you know, we we kept you know um, putting together brick by brick yeah. what we had to do, and uh, literally crawled my way back to Cleveland. I mean, at some mm. point um, in late 2018, my wife said that uh, she was not feeling like Orlando was home. And she's from Cleveland. No, she's from Montana. She's, and she's a doctor. <laughs> she's a doctor. Okay, yeah. okay. You, huh. you a lot. Of, I just trying to connect all these dots. So she says, she says to me, "I don't feel like Orlando's home." And I said, "Okay, that's interesting." So what do you do feel like home? And she said, "I want to go back to Cleveland." Wow. And so forty-five days, we forty-five days later, we're back in Cleveland, and um, I felt it important because if there's anything I'm proud of, it isn't the baseball, it isn't mm-hmm. the the, the money I made, the relationships, the mm-hmm. hanging out with celebrities. It was that in 2013, when life brought me to my knees, mm-hmm. um, I didn't run. I didn't get into drugs and alcohol. I didn't leave my wife. Right. Uh, our lifestyle never changed. I did what I had to do. It was a test of wills, for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the easy thing was just to say, I'm going to go to Miami. Your mother's here in Orlando. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm gonna start. I mean, I was with, I was 33 yeah. years old. I mean, I, I had, yeah. I could have started a whole new life mm-hmm. and just ridden myself. So, that's my most, I'm, I'm most proud of my life about not folding. Okay. In that situation. Oh yeah. And, and not becoming somebody that my dad would be ashamed of, or my family or my wife would be ashamed of. Was your dad alive at this time? Still. He is still. Yeah. He's well, still. He's still alive. Yeah. Okay. Um, so. Did you know um, the Lord at this time? In 2013? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, again, when I went to college in North Carolina, it's, yeah. it's like, I think that's a little bit of a Bible belt down well, there. Oh, yeah, sure. And yeah. so those folks, um, you know, so funny, I was a city kid and there were a bunch of country yeah. guys. So mm-hmm. it was like, you know, there was yeah. a lot of like, tell us about where you're from. And Yeah, that, right, you know, right, right. But they were the ones who actually told me about how to become saved and how Is to accept right? wow. Jesus and, and all that. And, North and, Carolina. And so, yeah, yeah. Um, so... I owe, you know, I owe all that belief uh, to them for sure. But uh, to your point, you know, I knew the Lord and I asked the Lord for some strength. Yeah. Um, but because of, I guess, my delusional um, belief system at that point, um, you know, I thought that I was going to be okay mm-hmm. um, because I'm, I'm the master and I control all things. Right, right, but this, sure. This set of events told me mm-hmm. I didn't control, I don't wow. control anything. Everything, the yeah. bottom fell out of your right. life. Yeah, yeah. everything and, changed. And literally up until that life, from the time I was 24 to the time I was 33, anything I set my my heart after, I, I accomplished. And probably in quicker fashion than I thought I could. Mm. And so, you know, this was a real wake-up call that you don't control anything um, and, and you need to be spiritually grounded. Absolutely, uh, amen and, to that. And it took me... It took me a lot to, to kind of get through that. But when I crawled back to Cleveland in 2018, um, I told my wife, I said, I've got to go tell this guy who took me on this summer travel team mm-hmm. what he did. Yeah, right, so right. 
I reached out to his wife on Facebook. I said, hey, I'm back in town. I'd love to grab dinner. And uh, we went and grabbed dinner and hung out. And uh, I said, you know, Mr. Chaffetz, I, I need to tell you something. You know, I don't know if you know this or not, but, you know, you saved my life. And he's right. like, what do you mean? And, you know, because on the surface, I just think he thought, hey, this is an inner city kid. Yeah. But he didn't know much about my background. Mm -hmm. He didn't know much mm -hmm. about where my life was headed. Um, and I said, you know, you gave me an opportunity. And, you know, divine intervention landed me in college baseball. And... We had, uh, I have a much different life. I said, the, the wife I have today, the life I have today, the business I've run, the places I've been, the people I've met, uh, the future I now have is unlike anybody else in my family. You can imagine. You know, yeah. I mean, my dad has 10 brothers and sisters. My mom has 14. I have 80 cousins. Holy oh, smokes. So, wow. um, but my life is drastically different than everybody else's. Sure. Because the guy gave me a business card. Gee. And someone said, we'll take you sight unseen. So, um, you know, he, he was overcome with emotion, obviously. Mm -hmm, he, mm -hmm. didn't, he didn't realize the impact. I think he just thought he was doing someone a solid in Cleveland. Um, and then he started telling me about this organization called Believe in Dreams, where they, they really replace a, 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 a horrific incident hmm. with a day of joy. Um, and and it's typically for impoverished children here in Cleveland, Ohio. How long has that been going on, DJ? I think it's about six years now uh, that the comp the comp the uh, the organization was founded. Uh, Believe in dreams. Believe in dreams. Okay. Wow. okay. And going back to my original point about Andy's Niners, mm -hmm. Andy was his son that was killed in a car accident. Oh my gosh. Oh. And wow. obviously had an affection for baseball. I was mm. a freshman, I think, at uh, a Division three school here locally. I don't want to mess up the school. Yeah. But he was killed in an auto accident. I think he was like 19 years old. Oh, boy. Jeez. Um, and so when, when you think about that, and then John and Julius, the president of the organization, uh, or the chairman, um, you know, started this organization because his wife, uh, at the time of three boys, was murdered. Um, and... and he lost his son? He lost his wife. Oh, this is a different fellow. This is, yeah, this is okay, uh, John it. the Julius. Yeah, okay. yeah, there it is. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, um, and so I was amazed about all these people coming together mm -hmm. saying, hey, we've been through some real pain. Now we want to take our pain and use it for good. And uh, that was really what drew me in. And, and when, so when Eddie's telling me about this organization that he was the development director for at that point, I said, so kind of like what you did for me. Yeah, right, yeah. right. And I said, well, I'll join the group if I can be known as the first dreamer. Mm. And I said, <laughs> I said, That's pretty cool. And, I like uh, that. And so we agreed, and, and I joined the board uh, soon thereafter, and it's been a great great organization. I mean, they, they continue to support me, support my efforts uh, in the community, support me with anything I need. So it's not the type of people that are in it just for – you know, a couple of, of snapshots. Right, right. They really take a liking to it. Can you walk us through, DJ, like, um, how do you select somebody for this day? Or how do you encourage them? I'm just, I'm just thinking of all our listeners. Like David and me, we don't know a lot about it because it's been predominantly <clears throat> east side, right? Yeah, right, correct, right? Correct. So maybe walk us through that process. of Sure. How. So it's, it's, a, it's, it's simple mm -hmm. um, from the standpoint that anybody can nominate. Um, the usually as a child, um, the child um, 
would have to have suffered some level of non-medical mm-hmm. trauma, right? So I'll give you some examples. Sure. Uh, we just had a young man, and I can't reveal names for obvious right, reasons, right. but we just had a young man who's six years old, and due to some family circumstances, is essentially raised, is taking care of his grandmother. Mm. You know, he's he's cooking, he's cleaning, wow. he's making sure she takes her medication. Wow. And someone brought to our attention this situation. And the kid has the dream of being a pilot. Mm. So ah. someone nominated him. We found someone in town with a plane. Hmm. And the you know the young man was able to spend the day with this particular pilot oh, on his cool. private plane. Yeah. Oh, nice. And you know, he got to put on the goggles and the whole yeah, deal right, and, right, be, right. and be a part of the cockpit and all that. Wow. Um, and you know, it was great to see the pictures and see the smile on, on everyone's face. And so that's a small example. But we also get nominations and kids. You know, you, you would think kids want to go to Disney World. They want to go to mm-hmm. you know. Sometimes they just want. Beds without bed bugs. Yeah, yeah I right. saw that. And then you also, uh, you know, I see here Space Camp, and then one has piano lessons, you know, a yeah. dream to be a pianist. Yeah. So it just depends what it is, huh? Yeah. You guys do it across the board. Well, again, I, I relate uh, yeah. at, at an epic level because, mm-hmm. you know, when 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 everything around you is, is uh, less than... Um, Exuberant, yeah. you know what your what your idea of a dream is mm-hmm. could be something yeah. simple, like I want to spend the night at the Marriott Hotel. Right, right. You know, uh, and it's not. Yeah. It's not. We were really surprised. I mean, about some of the not, some of the dreams that some of these young men and women have hmm. uh, are just what we would consider to be basic things, well, almost ordinary. You know? Yeah, but to them, it's um, pretty extraordinary. But you know, um, I truly believe that a day is all a kid needs you know maybe that what what turns on you know the jets to say hey you know this this feels good yeah i need to do whatever i need to do to do more of this and 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 be you know you never know yeah and and so the impact uh i think is is uh i represent the impact of what you know someone doing something nice for you for one Mm -hmm. one day could, could could mean so how big is it now i mean let's say um how many do you do, let's say, in a year or a six-month basis? Yeah. How well-connected are you to the community? I mean, businesses and that, do they yeah. come in and say, hey, we we can share this experience like the airplane or, uh, I don't know, you know, this uh, something. You know, how, how does that connect, would you say? Yeah, I would say that, you know, the, to your point earlier, the, the organization's primarily been east side. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm, I am working with some other members of the west side community to kind of spread it to the west side. Right. Uh, we've got some really, you know, big events that we've done around, around our gala and some other things that we've done. But typically, we do about 100 dreams a year. 100? Oh, mm. wow. So you think about, you know, 100 kids getting a great opportunity um, here in Cleveland on a year-in, year-out basis. And, and our, you know, our internal team works really, really hard. We only have a staff of seven. Where is it located? Are you uh, today it's in Aurora, um, where I think we're, oh. we're, we're talking about moving offices here pretty soon. So it, we'll have an update on that. We'll give out the contact. If you sure. can give it out now. Yeah. What is the best contact, a phone yeah. number or a yeah, I would, say, I would say the best place to start to really get a good sense of the organization, how you can nominate, how you can get involved, some of the past success stories, mm-hmm. how you can come to some of our events, 
is believeindreams.org. Believeindreams.org. There you go. That's your go-to. Believeindreams.org has everything that you need to, to, to become a nominator, to understand the program at a, at a real, really deep level. There's videos on there. There's plenty of stories on there. And you can go on there today if you want to nominate mm. someone that you know is going through some level of trauma, non-medical trauma. You can literally from your phone go on there and begin the nomination process. And typically between 60 and 90 days from nomination, a dream is carried out. Okay, so it's pretty quick. That's excellent. Now, you're having a big event coming up uh, in uh, the Night of Dreams. Maybe you can tell the mm-hmm. listenership. You know, yeah, like. so it's, uh, it's, it's our gala event of the year. Um, we typically have anywhere from 150 to 250 people uh, in attendance. Um, it's grown every year. Mm. We raise, we, you know, we try to raise as much money as we can. I think that the, the highest we've been to so far is 272000 mm. in one night. Wow. Um, uh, but, yeah, you'll see some of the, you know, Northeast Ohio's mm-hmm. business leaders. You'll also see, you know, people who are just, you know, very philanthropic yeah, and concerned right. about the community. Uh, and we start off with, a you know, a cocktail hour and yeah. go in for about an hour presentation mm-hmm. and then from there you know music dancing yeah, food, yeah. and all nice. that kind of good stuff and, that's terrific that's um, once a year once yeah. a year yep and that's april 23rd correct so if you go to the website it's all, it's all, all they're gonna get all it that information's on okay there. how's your wife now so my wife made a uh a comeback and she today is a professor at cleveland state university oh really wow, praise god nice, wow nice. Yeah. well i guess so Boy, yeah. you guys really did come back. Yeah, Man, that's wow. good. So, okay, let's continue uh, yeah. onward. Um, do you get personally involved with the case, you know, these different ones that are submitted? I mean, who, how do you process that vetting process and who's going to get that, you know, say, okay, we're going to take this young person and give them this special day? How does that Yeah, process? I don't know that we've ever turned down an opportunity to grant really? a dream. Um, we may have to alter you know, some request, and, and yeah. you know, a lot of times these these young women and, and young men are coming from uh, very complicated circumstances. Yeah, right. So let's say you nominate someone today, it may take us 60 days just to get a hold of somebody to have a conversation yeah. because they have to be on board. The family has to be sure. on board. And sometimes they're on board and sometimes they're not, or sometimes they don't even have a phone or, or whatever the case might be. So... That due diligence process is, is very challenging for our internal team. If you've got a situation where you know maybe this young man or young woman has a good network around them and they communicate at a pretty high level, you know we've seen dreams you know a lot faster than, than mm-hmm. ninety or one hundred twenty okay. days. But mm-hmm. but yeah, we've got you know, we've got dream granters. We've got people who do all the coordination on the inside. I myself am not part of that. Uh, I do plan on being. A part of a reveal at some point mm-hmm. uh, in my time with with Believe in Dreams, but my job is to go out and find people who yeah. don't know about us and make sure that that problem goes away. So, well, that's so that's the West Side. Yeah. That's why this yeah. West Side outreach right. is going on now, yeah. which is good because again, the West Side of Cleveland, mm-hmm. and then further west is Lorraine. So, I mean, that's where our audience is that's listening to this program right now, so they can go to their website and get any more yeah. information. And again. You can pick the show up. Just go to john1421.com, and you'll see this. Uh, it's going to be aired probably this Saturday from our 9 to 10 a.m. regular slot, and then it'll be on the uh, archive at uh, john1421.com. You can just listen to it and find out a lot of information. All right, so now that you're coming to the West Side, what is your best way to get in touch with people, or how are you making your contacts? 
DJ. Um, well, you know, obviously talking to sure. some great guys like you guys, mm-hmm. um, and there's not there has not been one person that I've ever talked to about what we're doing that doesn't say how can I get involved. Mm. So you know, obscurity right now is my biggest challenge, um, and hopefully through radio shows like this yeah. and other efforts. We can expand that reach mm-hmm. uh, because we, we do need to tell more people about mm-hmm. it. Uh, you know, this is a Cleveland organization. You know, it, yeah. this is not something where if you donate ten dollars, mm-hmm. yeah. that it's going to some organization out in Seattle. I mean, right. these are our kids. This is our backyard. Yeah, our uh, Which is why yeah. I you know got so not, not just because I'm the first dreamer, but you know I'm a Cleveland guy. You know, and and and, and I want to see Cleveland continue to do better. Uh, and what a great place to 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 see those who have more yeah. do more. And and so that's yeah, a good my, way to put it. My effort um, is, is to meet as many people and, and talk to them about what we're doing as possible. Is this in other cities? Is this a, not today. Not, not so not this today. is really a prototype. This is a, a new concept. Yeah. David, you have Well yeah, I would think that the Cleveland Indians or even the Cavs and the Browns would love to get involved in something like this. Yeah, all three you know organizations I mean? support yeah. us from an event standpoint, getting Good. us tickets, getting us access to players, yeah. getting autographs. We've participated uh, yeah. on all levels of that. So again, Cleveland being what it is, which is why we're back. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. People yeah. say all the time, DJ, why'd you leave? Mm-hmm. Wow, in the yeah. world you, you leave Orlando? I was looking at the temperature. <laughs> <laughs> I like. Cleveland. I'm like, I yeah, like no, music. yeah, so do I. But you know, come on, in the middle of winter. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but I always tell yeah. people, and I think I told you this over lunch, uh, John. Mm-hmm. You know, I rather deal with cold weather, cold weather than cold people. Yeah, that's and, a good point. And that was my, my experience. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's excellent. That was uh, my experience in Florida was, you know, yeah, the weather was nice, but the people weren't nearly as cool as, as you know, the Clevelanders. A lot of people say Cleveland's a city, but it's like a town. It's like a big town feel to it, you know. But mm-hmm. people, a lot of people say they like coming to Cleveland or they like Clevelanders. or mm-hmm. I mean, I just, I just look at it some ways. I mean, we are probably the best healing community in the world. You're in the medical profession, yeah. mm-hmm. and you know with UH and Metro and Cleveland Clinic and all that, we're like the the spot. They actually say all... within a, a you know a, a mile radius, there's more doctors in that mile radius downtown than there are anywhere in the world between UH, yeah. Metro, and the Cleveland Clinic, and it's true. We really do have a healing a healing town. community. So Midwest this, is unbelievable for healthcare. This fits into yeah. that kind of that thing, healing yeah. people's lives, giving them a. A ray of hope, mm-hmm. uh, an encouragement. Um, maybe somebody's listening today, yeah. and they like us. They they know people that know people. You might want to have DJ come speak, maybe at a at a public event or sure. a luncheon. Yeah. I mean, you're available for that kind of absolutely. Thing. And um, now that your presence is, is being made known more 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 on the on the west side of Cleveland, we're starting mm-hmm. to get in touch with different people. You Go know, on, the people that are listening now, if there's somebody that's listening, DJ, that, you know, your world in 2013 and they're struggling with drug addiction or alcohol addiction or something else, how did you how did you get how did you stay grounded and pull yourself through that and not take the easy way out? Um I'm gonna get. I'm gonna. I'm gonna turn into Coach Santiago here oh, yeah, in a second. Yeah, so yeah, watch out. Yeah. Um, well, the first thing I did was, um, I had to get myself into a routine. Yeah. And so literally, um, I, because of my family background, and I won't get into all that. But the bottom line is, I was on my own in Florida. I really mm. didn't have a whole lot of support. So I went on YouTube, and I really didn't spend a whole lot of time on YouTube up until that point. Yeah. 
And I was typing in like motivational oh, is that right? conversations. Just... And that's when I discovered Les Brown and Earl Nightingale and Tony Robbins and Bob Proctor and all these people who made it their business mm-hmm. just to say something nice. And I'm like, I'm, these are my friends now. So I would literally get up at five o'clock in the morning. We had a, we're still living in our mm-hmm. gated community. I walk around the neighborhood with headphones on in the dark because it was five o'clock in the morning, and listen to these inspirational speeches and 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 hear about all these different ways to look at life and because ter- I was just struggling with like all we tried to do was have a family. Yeah. And right. How did this happened. Yeah. And um and I felt like we were good people. Why mm-hmm. is this happening to us? But then, you know, once I kind of rationalized that, I, I'm, a, I'm a person of, of regiment, right? And so I had to kind of go back and say, okay, we're now playing another game. Yeah. And, you know, whether you have kids or been around kids or been an athlete, when you play a game, you never get tired, right? Especially if you enjoy the game. Yeah, right. right? Um, and so I went back and I said, okay, well, what can I use from my prior experience? Because remember, I'm still that kid who was two weeks away from graduating yeah. high school who wasn't supposed to play in college. Um, and that was scary, you know, in comparison, not that big of a deal, but Mm -hmm. very scary. Yeah. So I went back to the drawing board and, um, you know, in my coaching, in my life, I I just develop a a, a simple system. I I call it the GAM system. So, you know, the first thing you have to do is you got GPS, what you want to do, where you want to go. Right. Um, and for me at that point was like, I, I need to get out of this particular situation from mental health side, yada, yada, yada. And, but but the thing about a GPS is it only works if it really understands where you're at. Right? Right, right. You put, so I, I put a specific destination of things I wanted to do in the next three to four years. And then I had to be really honest about my, with myself as to where I'm at. So that's kind of step one. Step two was ask. So I had to ask people for help. Mm. I had to ask people to get on my bus. I had to ask people, had they seen anything like this? Had you, do you have any experience? Can you help? Etc. Etc. I just started to ask people because that's now good. I had a destination. Yeah, that's excellent. Like yeah, that, right. Yeah. And that's hard to do. At and times, it's it's especially very when hard. You're to down. Do. Yep. Um, and then the last, I had to to, to, to seek mentorship. Mm. I had to find ah. some people that had been through some things, survived them, and become better because of them. That's and great. Enlist them yeah. as mentors. So GPS, ask, mentor. Uh, is is a system that um, you know I've always used in baseball and, and other challenges in business, and I had to kind of kind of revisit that there in 2013. And did you put that? This is why you wrote the book. I did. Maybe you can tell a little about the book. Yeah, so I wrote a book uh, end of last year. Uh, hmm. Came out last year. It's called Winning from the Bottom. That talks a lot wow. about um, you know how to win how to win at the game of life and business hmm. using athletically based principles. I like it. That's good. Maybe say that one more time. That buzz line, that, that subtitle. Yeah. Uh, winning, winning from the bottom. Uh, how to win it? Uh, life and business using athletically based principles. Hmm. That's good. That is good. So, so now you, you do this, but you're also in a private enterprise too, right? Private. Uh, you do the nonprofit. I'm building dreams, and then you you have a regular position too, which gives yeah, you a so, bigger footprint. Uh, so baseball um, open, you know, continues to open doors, uh, and it opened up a door in uh, in the world of insurance. You know, I'm a, I'm a coach by by trade, uh-huh. and uh, but was looking for more of a day opportunity. Yeah. And, and I had done a lot of things that I wanted to accomplish in that other space. And if you guys knew me better, you would know I get bored very easily. So. Um, 
was recruited to come on and join the, the team down at Oswald Companies, downtown Cleveland. Been around 127 years. Oh, wow. And uh, they gave me an opportunity on their sales team. Um, and I've never been uh, two days in corporate America, so it was like going. <laughs> yeah, right, like, right. Yeah, you know, it was like, I remember when I was going through busing here in Cleveland, for those of you who remember bus, the busing oh, yeah. days, I felt like I was in a new high school. On the <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. Um, but somehow navigated it using the GPS mm-hmm. ask and cool. mentorship uh, steps, and that uh, was rookie of the year in 2020. So you know, wonderful. Joined yeah. the new, joined the new um, workforce or the new occupation. All of a sudden, the the, um, the, the worldwide pandemic breaks out yeah. um, and, and navigated it, and was able to be rookie of the year and, and having a good start to my career. Nice. Excellent. Do you think you'd ever do that coaching again? I mean, those clinics you used to have. have yeah, you know, again, I think I was telling you earlier, I coach over at BW, um, you know, as a volunteer. Catcher specifically? Um, yeah, catcher specifically, okay. yeah. Um, You're noted, I mean, the, the, the fellow that worked for the Reds told me you were noted for uh, your throw to second base. You didn't yeah. have to get out of a crouch position. <laughs> <laughs> I, just at a side note, I, my, I played some baseball. My son played big time for when he went to Lakewood and they went state and this and that. But, and my grandsons played, but. I think that's one of the sweetest plays in sports is if a catcher yeah. can snap that ball to second, let alone the first base when the guys yeah. take him too big a lead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is the neatest uh, thing. Yeah. 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 It's uh, it's probably not good for your shoulder. I was going to say, if you're not getting <laughs> up and just doing that, uh, you know, that's got to be tough. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, uh, to answer your question, John, I, mean, I, I, I don't yeah. know. I think, I think I'm – Call to do something bigger than, than that. I mean, uh-huh. I, I love being on the field, and, yeah. and I've had I've had man, I've had some really some of my favorite moments in life have been mm. coaching um, and watching a ten year old do something that he couldn't do six minutes ago, right? Um, but I really feel that at this point in my life, and now in my forties, um, I'm called to do something bigger and mm-hmm. better than than just that, right? Um, and so never say never. Yeah, right. Um, I may be back in the baseball academy business at some point, but I like what I'm doing right yeah, now. I'd like to cool. really expound upon that. And, and um, you know, John DeJulius, uh, chairman over at Believe in Dreams, is a worldwide renowned speaker. Uh, so he's turned me into a public speaker and trained me in, in that field. And so I really look to, to continue to grow that writing books. I mean, I just want to continue to give back mm-hmm. and try to impact as many people as possible. So that's the future yeah. kind of unfolding that's before you. Who would fantastic. Have thought? Yeah. 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 So once again, I just want to tell you, this is Believe in Dreams. The best way to get in touch with this organization is just go to their website, um, believeindreams.org. Yep. Is it mm-hmm. .org, right. And there you got the, it's loaded with videos, explanation, mm-hmm. uh, places to contact if you want a speaker, if you want DJ to come out. Yeah. I don't know, maybe, especially with summer coming. Oh, like absolutely. Coaches and, yeah. and people that are wired in, so to speak, with the the wider community. You know, that door opened, that opened other doors, and, and onward it went. Um, any further questions, David? we got a couple minutes left. I yeah. want to just use the... Is, is there anything that you would like to share with the audience before we uh, wrap up? We have up? a couple minutes left. Not, not... Sure, yeah. sure. I mean, you know, you give a public speaker an opportunity. Yeah, to... right. <laughs> it's not gonna, he's not going to turn that down. No, why would he? Um, <laughs> no, I just think, again, I think... I think Everybody loves to play games, mm-hmm. and everybody loves to win at those games. And I think in my personal journey, what I've learned is that winning is, is never over. And, and it's a constant mm-hmm. pursuit. But I think when you, when you look back at your life, you want to say, I gave it all I had. Mm-hmm. I put it all on the table. 
there's a chapter in my book that's called You're Gonna Die Anyways. Mm. And what I talk about in this in this particular chapter is one of the things I realized going through my particular journey in mm. life is that I will either watch everything I love, know, and trust die, or it will watch me die. Period. Mm-hmm. There is no other way around that. Mm-hmm. So whether it's your faith, whether it's what you're doing for a living, whether it's your impact on your community, you know, what you do every single day is so important because life is short. Yeah. Um, and, and one of those two realities is going to happen for us. And, um, you know, you look at someone like Kobe Bryant, right? 41 years old. Yeah, right. Yeah. Passed way too soon. Yeah. But, man, that guy did a lot. Yes, he here, did. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I would call to anyone listening to this to say you can do more. Mm-hmm. You can be more. You just have to find a system that works for you. And, you know, I don't care what situation you're facing today. I don't care what it is. Um, the game is the effort. Mm-hmm. Put the effort towards uh, what you want to have. And, look, if I can make it, anybody can mm-hmm. make it. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, sure. I, I grew up in, in, a, in a pretty tough situation. Like I said, I was, I was two weeks away from uh-huh. graduating high school. I, but I think what I supplied mm-hmm. was the effort. Yeah, right. The, the routine, universe, the discipline, right? Mm-hmm. God did the rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, God God put the right yeah. people. God put the scout to put his hands on my shoulder. God right. gave me a car from an umpire. Um, your dad yeah. put a newspaper on your right. bed. I mean, it just, yeah. it yeah, just right. keeps going on and on and on. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, and I think that's what makes life fun is mm-hmm. when you have new challenges, yeah. you have new games to play. Um, so you're a winner. Yeah, yeah. And, that's and, great. And first great. person. That has to believe that is you. Absolutely. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. David, do you have any final thoughts? No, that, that's great. Thanks for being here. I really enjoyed the time with you. And yeah. I wish you the best in everything you're doing. Yeah, DJ. Thank you for coming. Once again, this is DJ Santiago. We're on WNZN Radio. And headquarters is Lorraine, Ohio. So we're looking for this Believe in Dreams organization to come out on the west side of Cleveland, on the as far as Lorraine or farther out. Mm-hmm. So anybody listening is interested in this organization to be part of it, having DJ come out to speak to you, or maybe you know somebody that you would like to nominate and Mm -hmm. at least get in touch with the organization and see that Mm -hmm. process through. And as we go and grow, we learn more and more about it. You're going to meet more and more people. If you know somebody that's in what I call like a a networking situation, somebody knows somebody, that's usually how these things work anyhow, contact and friendship. Please Please, again, get in touch with that uh, uh, organization, Believe in Dreams. And, again, uh, look at that April 23rd, uh, Night of Dreams. It's going to be downtown Cleveland at uh, Hilton. 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 Yeah. Yeah. And it's a, it sounds like a spectacular time together. Uh, go with that. And, again, um, if you want to get this replayed, you want to play it for somebody, just go to John 1421. Uh, dot com. You're going to see that'll be the last in the listing. It goes chronologically, so that should be up by this weekend. So once again, thank you for taking the time, um, DJ Santiago, out of your busy schedule. I'm hoping that uh, this word gets out on the west side as it has on the east side these past couple of years. And hey, it's it's everybody doing their part to yeah, make our city absolutely. just a better city. Right. You know, a better city to live in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Everybody that lives here, I mean, they know this This is a city with a heart, you know, yes, and, and I think that's yeah. going to go forward. So God bless you and all that you do, you and your wife, um, and uh, maybe we'll do a follow-up show uh, as we go further into the summer and spring and maybe yeah. see Great. how we make yeah. a awesome. contact. 
All right. Thank you again. God bless all of you for listening. Look forward to next week. I'm not sure if we have a special guest or we're going to go back into uh, some of the things we're doing in the Bible study group. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Have a great day, everybody. Okay. Take care, everybody. God bless. God bless y'all.